Hey everyone, Merry Christmas. It is Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival Magazine, and welcome to podcast episode number 226. Now, this week's broadcast actually starts off with an argument that I had this week with somebody, but it ends with a critical life-saving trio of survival gear hacks that you can use to save your life under extreme low-temperature scenarios. Now, it's all coming right up, but first, don't forget to grab this week's free show notes from the episode, including a handy-dandy one-page cheat sheet covering all the main points for you to use as reference anytime you like. All you need to do is head on over to www.mcsmagazine.com slash 226 and download it all for free. And now, let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is Jeff Anderson, editor from Modern Combat and Serial Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. Now, I really wanted some happy, jolly, Christmas-like uh, broadcast to do this week, um, but about as close as I can get is that this is going to be about cold weather and about surviving in cold weather. And it really comes out of an kind of an argument. I say an argument. It's with a, a very, 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 very close friend of mine um, is helping me out with um, next year in 2019. I'm planning on coming out with my first. Well, it's not really my first, but my um, it's my first book on Amazon under my name for survival gear and some of the survival practices that I've been putting out there through the podcast and all sorts of you know other mediums that that we have our show out there in. And um, in one of the things we were talking about in in just consolidating gear and survival, you know, the survival gear uh, tips that I was going to be giving, we were talking about extreme cold weather because my friend is very, he's no stranger to cold weather. Now, I'm not going to give his name. Let's just say that he is an older gentleman. He was a Vietnam uh, infantryman. He has written a hefty number of Paladin Press when they were still in business. Um, a lot of their books, did their DVDs. And he was a, a big fixture in that entire company. And he is no stranger to, I mean, he lives the survival lifestyle. He lives in the mountains of Colorado, um, hunts, fishes, uh, has a, has a gun range in his backyard. Like he lives that lifestyle. He's, he's one of those people that walks the talk and he has tons and tons and tons of experience. And when he doesn't have an experience, he has an exposure being a part of Paladin Press and all the other experts that they had there as well. So as we were talking about survival gear that people would want to have, and we were talking about specifically inside of your bug out bag, he had a strong objection to my philosophies on going ultra light. And his reasoning was really focused around two main pieces of gear that somebody would need in order to survive if they are in a, in a worst case scenario, bugging out on foot. You don't have your vehicle or any other sort of type of shelter to have with you of how you can stay alive in that climate. And is, and it really focused on two pieces of gear, having a tent and a sleeping bag. And at first I objected. I said, you know, I, I, I disagree. I, there's not, um, there's really no need for those things. And, and his response, I was kind of surprised, came back even stronger in that most of the people out there who are even who are listening to your show, and I consider you, if you've made it even this far in this broadcast, that you um, you have a mindset that 99% of people out there just don't have. You're out there seeking tips. You're out there seeking information about ways that you can protect yourself 
and your family, especially under extreme circumstances. But I understand that, look, I know that most of you are not soldiers. I know we have a lot of soldiers. We have a lot of police. We have a lot of military contractors that listen to our show. But I know that most of you don't fall in those categories. Most of you probably are just, you know, you have your your day job or you might be retired. You have your family. You're not out there in extreme cold weather conditions being forced out there. Um, however, there you still need to understand these things and these principles, and you're out there looking for that information. And so that's awesome. But I also recognize that most, most people are probably not in the type of shape that military contractors and soldiers are. And, you know, I stay in very good shape as well. And so for those reasons, my, my friend was saying, you know, look, most people are not going to have the skills to be able to build a shelter because knowledge is one thing, but actually putting them into practice is another. So they're not going to have necessarily the skills to build a shelter to stay alive in that environment. And likewise, I mean, if, if all they have is, is their bug out bag and stuff there, they're not going to have the, um, you know, if they, if they're even attempting any of that stuff, then they're going to be, uh, they're going to be expending calories and they're going to be losing more energy during that time when you really need to conserve energy. And I agree with all of those things. I understand the realities of, of who might be listening to this show. And most of you don't necessarily want to build a bunker in your backyard. You just want some tips that will help you get through and be, be more prepared than the 95% of people that are out there. They're going to be, you know, trying to survive the same type of scenarios that you are. Um, however, um, again, so back, back to the argument here. Um, he really made a, 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 about a two page long, uh, argument of his own of why those things needed to be part of everybody's bug out bag for those worst type, those worst case scenarios. Now, I'm going to share with you kind of my response, but also I'm going to give you three hacks here, uh, three plus one bonus hack that is going to help you under these extreme conditions and take advantage of new technology as well as my own experiences. Because in my final reply back to him, I said, look, here's the deal. I, I, and, and I understand the thing is he was coming off as kind of like, you know, look, I have experience in these things. You need to listen to my advice. Um, what he didn't know was that I was one of the founding uh, soldiers at 10th Mountain Division in Fort Drum when they reenacted the mount the 10th Mountain Division when they reenacted that. Um, we were one of the first soldiers to go in there, and that division our, in 10th Mountain Division is located in Fort Drum, New York, so it's close to the Great Lakes. It is at some in sometimes the coldest place in the United States. Yes, even more so than Alaska sometimes. So it's just, it's, it's Arctic frigid weather there. And that goes back to the history of the 10th Mountain Division. It was, it was really like, um, you know, I mean, it was, it was, look, they, they did ski training. We did ski training. We did all kinds of, uh, winter Arctic training. Uh, we did survival training. We did a lot of different things for those environments, just like they did in World War II. It was an elite fighting force during World War II. It was an elite, it's an, it is an elite fighting force now. And one of the things about being there and being one of the founding uh, units that really opened up the 10th Mountain Division when it was reenacted was that we were an experimental unit for the Pentagon. So any new equipment that was coming out, we were the first ones to test it before the Pentagon invested in it to go military wide. And so I remember us getting out there and it was when we got there, it was, geez, it was coming right up in the wintertime. And we basically lived out in the snow for about three to four months. It was just, we had a lot to prove as a new unit. We had a lot to prove because we were a new form of unit. We were a light infantry. We pretty much just walked everywhere that we went. We, um, we had, we were, we were a hardcore elite unit. And 
to to step into those shoes, especially as hardcore as they were during World War II, there was a lot to prove. And so there wasn't any like canceling of field maneuvers because of the cold weather. No, the the whole point was to be out there, to live in it, to survive in it. Because when you're a soldier, you don't necessarily choose those times that you're going to be stuck in it, whether you're on a mission or whether you are off on your own, whatever. And especially for, for me, as being a forward observer and in long-range reconnaissance, we were out there oftentimes without a unit. So we were off, it might be just us, either not typically not alone, we would have either a radio telephone operator with us or one other person that we were out there with in long-range reconnaissance. But essentially, we were out there by ourselves in hiding behind enemy lines, taking in intel, calling in artillery fire, calling in air support, all sorts of things, right? So we didn't have a lot of resources. A lot of times, all we had to live on what was what was what was in our backpack. All right. So this is this is why bugging out and the realities of bugging out in a disaster scenario, yes, um, are near and dear to my heart, and why it's one of the areas that I've chosen to really focus in on to help people understand the realities of what that is. So once he once he realized that I was in the 10th Mountain Division, he walked everything back. It was like, whoa. I didn't realize you were in 10th Mountain. The, the stuff you guys went through would have killed me ages ago. So that's a lot coming from somebody who um, really has as much experience as, as my friend has here. Um, but I told, what I told him was, look, let's go back to the realities there that you're talking about. Most people are not going to be in amazing shape that they're going to be able to hump a rucksack for, you know, 100 miles like we did. Sometimes our rucksack, during the wintertime, sometimes our rucksack was over 100 pounds. It was, it was, it would take two people to lift you off of the ground. Basically, you had to put it on, put the, the backpack on the ground. You lay on top of it on your back. You put the straps on. You put the, the waist belt on. You cinch it all down. And then you need two people to come over and put their feet on your feet and then take you by the hand and then hoist you up just so you could get standing. Now, if you fell over, you were waddling around there like you were a turtle, right? That's why you needed somebody to help you up. It was so damn heavy. Now, again, most people are not going to be in fit-to-fight shape like you are a member of an elite fighting force. So weight is always, for me, it's always been the number one thing. In fact, all of the extreme cold weather gear that we got for the tents, and, um, uh, well, fortunately the sleeping bags went, went smaller, more compact than our other sleeping bags that we had, you know, prior to, uh, prior to the new, the new military, uh, stuff there. Um, however, that tent only lasted one trip out to the field. We told the Pentagon, not me, I didn't call it the Pentagon, but nonetheless, the feedback from our commanders was back like, you know what? This is unnecessary weight. Our soldiers are going to be, if we're going to be out there walking and we don't have the advantage of having like a, uh, a chopper or even a Humvee, something to, to take us to the next point, uh, weight is the most critical issue. And so in order to get to our destination, we are saying, forget this stuff. All we ever used was a poncho essentially and some, some bungee cords. Some of you may have seen the, you know, some of the videos that I've done for, for all of that. Um, but essentially, it was the weight that was the most important thing for us because there were alternative ways of staying dry and of staying warm, even in those frigid temperatures, temperatures that are out there. Okay. So what I wanted to share with you was what I shared with him, which is look, even like today, we have even better technology than we had when I was in the military. Now I, my, my one story that I shared with him that I'll share with you and why you don't need a tent 
or a sleeping bag, even to withstand Arctic type uh, temperatures, um, leads back to one. I remember it was one mission that we had uh, that was we were out in the field. It was it was out at Fort Drum. And it was truly Arctic temperatures. We had a wind chill. We had, um, it was about 10 below zero. And that was before the wind chill. And essentially they were, they were, they had stopped all operations because they're not going to get cases of frostbite and people get, you know, have to be medically discharged in the military. So essentially everybody set up. They had one ambulance that came out, a military ambulance that had the heat on inside of it and they would just keep rotating soldiers through there and you would go in for 10 minutes you would basically sleep those 10 minutes you would come out and then you'd be you'd freeze your ass off until your next shift came up which was typically about an hour apart now i tried it one time going from the extreme heat inside of there and coming out into the frigid temperatures only made it worse however for that hour that we were out there we just decided you know me and one other guy uh, another infantryman just said you know what this is this is bullshit um, I'm not going back in there. I'm not waiting in line out there to, to stand, to get back into the ambulance. We got to figure something else out here. And I am not ashamed to say, although a little embarrassed to say, um, that what we ended up doing just to be able to survive through that time was we, we stripped down to nothing but our skivvies. So it was just those brown, uh, not tidy whiteies. They were town tidy brownies, I guess. <laughs> the military underwear is brown, right? So we we stripped down basically to our socks and our underwear and put a poncho and a poncho liner around us. And we huddled up like we were husband and wife. We snuggled on up there and uh, and got really, really close to use each other's body heat inside of that, the poncho liner and the poncho. And uh, I'm, I'm here to tell you that we stayed warm and we stayed dry um, we said, please don't ever tell anybody that this is even happening. So here I am on a podcast telling, you know, tens of thousands of people out there. Sure. Why not? Right. But the point is you'll do what you need to in order to stay alive. Now I'm telling you that you don't need to snuggle up and spoon with a grunt out there in order to stay alive during these temperatures. Thanks to the technology. So what I want to share with you was three pieces of survival gear that are, have, are really relatively new but are extremely, extremely helpful and will help you to survive even Arctic-type temperatures out there, okay? So uh, item number one is the Tact Bivy. Now, this is one of those Mylar emergency blankets in the form of a sleeping bag. You've most likely seen me promote these through our newsletter. I've told, I've talked about these in, um, I've talked about these on stage when I speak at Places like PrepperCon or Self-Reliance Expo or any of the, uh, any of the other shows that I, that I might speak at. I've talked about this on, on stage in that this is a, really everybody needs to own one of these for every vehicle, have them in every bug out bag because they really are indispensable. I have tested these things in winter temperatures. I've slept through the night with them basically whenever I've gone out with my son's scout troop. I don't bring a sleeping bag with me. I bring the the tact bivy with me. That is what I use. And it keeps me warm. It'll keep you warm in even 20 below weather out there. It is a it is an emergency blanket, but it's enclosed, so it's going to help you to to trap in that heat rather than just reflecting back like the space blankets um they're not enclosed. So you're going to lose a lot of heat outside of all of that. They're helpful, but the Tact Bivy sleeping bag is really the one that you need to have. Again, this is a must-have item, okay, a must-have item. So, um, and by the way, in the resources for this podcast, you're going to be able to find all of the um, the links over to these items as well, okay? 
So item number one is attack 50. Now all these are meant to kind of really to work together. Okay. So attack bivy is going to essentially act as your shelter or as your sleeping bag. All right. Um, item number two is an electric hand warmer. Now this I've talked about, um, this has out, been out for about a year now. It, it essentially takes the, the place of those, uh, if you've ever seen at the, like at Bass Pro or Cabela's or whatever, or even the, like the sporting goods store at Walmart, the hand warmers, they're like those little gel hand warmers. They don't, they don't last very long. You basically, but you just basically pop them and, and they'll give you good warmth for a little bit of time. And then they're, and then they're gone. They're basically in, uh, dispensable. Well, the electric hand warmer is one that is rechargeable and it takes the place of those. So essentially it is, um, it's an oval shaped thing. It's about the size of your hand, a little bit, a little bit smaller. Uh, but it, once you turn it on, it emanates heat. And it will continue to emanate heat and it is rechargeable so that you can plug it into a USB port somewhere with the cord that comes with it and you can recharge it and you kind of keep this thing going. Now it will hold a charge for quite a long time. So it helps to also have this along with your tech bivy, like inside of all of the, um, I would, I would get one for each vehicle that you have, put it inside of the glove compartment there. If you live in areas that it could actually get cold enough where you might need something, all right, so put it in there with that. But the electric hand warmer is really, really great. Now, the downside of it is that when it when you're unable to charge it, you lose the heat. So, in other words, it is dispensable if you can't charge it. It basically just ends up becoming a paperweight. So you need a way to be able to charge that ongoing, time after time after time. And so the latest uh, thing that I've been using now is the Quad Pro Solar Charger. Now, there have been really great technology advancements in in portable solar chargers out there and they're getting smaller and smaller they're getting more powerful the quad pro charger basically the more cells that you're able to capture the sun with the faster you're going to get resupply of energy uh, you're going to get the um uh, the recharge is going to come faster you're going to be able to do more with it there the quad pro solar charger um, has four panels to it uh, what i also like about it is that you can hang it so it, it's well, one, it's super compact. So it's about the same size as the electric hand warmer that I'm talking to you about. And the Quad Pro Solar Charger, um, basically, it, it's, it, it folds out into four separate solar panels with its own battery in, in, embedded in it. And so when you roll it out, you have these four, uh, cell, cell, uh, sections that capture a lot of sunlight. And the other thing I like about it is that it's magnetic, so you can put it on the side of a vehicle. You can capture the sunlight that way. So you want to get it to where the sun is, right? So you can keep moving it around where you need to. That gives you a really great way to to capture the sun that way. Um, and then with the Quad Pro Solar Charger, it has a USB port on it, so you can charge that up. Actually, you can charge it up as a battery itself. You don't necessarily need the sun, so if you do get to a power outlet, you can put it in someplace and charge it up that way, but you can, again, use the sun. Now, that USB port will allow you to plug anything else into it that will use a USB for a charger, and that includes something like the electric hand warmer. So I, I recommend also having this Quad Pro Solar Charger inside of the, the glove compartment, as well as having one in your backpack as well. So those three pieces of equipment work really well together because now if you have a TAC bivy out there, then, and you need to get inside of it for, uh, let's say that you were, your, your, your vehicle got stranded, you're in the middle of nowhere, 
And, or sometimes people have even been, you know, stranded on due to a winter storm, they're stranded on the highway and they just can't, you know, first responders can't get to them. Plows can't get through yet. It might be you trying just to survive through the night. And so, um, so having that tack bivy there, you pull it out. You can get inside of it to capture, uh, to capture body heat, but you can also put in the electric hand warmer inside of there. And that's going to essentially put heat inside of the sleeping bag. You can turn it on, you can turn it off, you can keep it going. You can, you can, you can basically just set it up any way that you want or just turn, I'm sorry, turn it on any time that you want to get the right amount of uh, heat in there. Turn it off if you get too hot. So uh, it comes in really, really handy that way. You can also use this if you were to use the TAC Bivy, use it as a shelter in some way. So you could close off the, you could basically open it up, pull it apart, use it as like a tent if you wanted to, and then put the the hand warmer in there, close off the ends of it, um, and create basically a heater inside of your tent using the electric hand warmer. And when it runs down low on, on energy, you're going to be able to take the solar charger now and, re, and, and get it back going so that you can continue to use it. All right. Now, the fourth uh, item that I'll tell you about is uh, something that you would, I would put inside of the tax bivy, which is a fleece liner, because all of the solar, I'm sorry, all of the space blanket mylar type sleeping bags and emergency blankets and things like that, um, basically they do reflect your heat back to you, but they don't absorb anything. So if you're in your clothes, you're going to get, you're going to, well, even if you're not in your clothes, you're going to sweat inside of these things. If you have your clothes on, your clothes are going to get more damp, and that's what you don't want because you you don't want wet clothes because when you come out of that into the cold air, the, the evaporation effect is going to um, essentially make you colder, and when that's gone, that's gone. So, and the other thing is that it, it will, your clothes will end up getting dirtier. They're going to get more grimy. They are going to um, not breathe as much as you want them to in order to stay warm and, and, and uh, in, in those temperatures. So one thing you can do is if you are going to be inside of there, take off your clothes and then get it, use a fleece liner, which is essentially like a, um, it's a cotton, very thin layer sleeping bag. Um, usually, usually use them. People use them like inside of sleeping bags to be able to, I guess, keep the sleeping bag um, cleaner, I guess. So you're using that. It's much easier to wash a, a fleece liner, throw it in the washing machine than it is to get a sleeping bag cleaned, you know. Um, the other time people use it is like if they go to hotels, they, you might sleep inside of the fleece liner instead of in the sheets at, at the hotel. But nonetheless, it comes in really, really helpful for putting inside of the tack bivy so that that will help to absorb the sweat without your clothes getting dirtier, and becoming wet and things like that. Okay, so it gives you, it allows you to get back into your clean, drier, dry clothes once you get out of the tack bivy. Uh, this fleece liner is really ultra compact. Also, I will go ahead and put a, another link inside of the resources there for you to check it out. Um, but that you go inside of that, then inside of the tack bivy, put the electric hand warmer in there in order to give yourself some extra warmth if you need it. We're talking like super sub zero temperatures. It will help you. It will definitely take care of you there. And then to recharge it using the Quad Pro Solar Charger. All right. So I know I'm probably not giving you this broadcast early enough for you to grab all of these items for Christmas gifts out there. However, you know you're going to get that ugly ass sweater anyway. So take it back. Use the resource links inside of the broadcast uh, for this for this week's podcast and go grab these. Go put them inside of the your bug out bag and the other areas that you, you carry your survival gear where you might need it, your vehicles, things like that. And I hope you all, you and your, your loved ones, have a very Merry Christmas. All right. I'll talk to you in the new year. This is Jeff Anderson from Modern Combat and Survival saying prepare 
train, and survive. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.